Today, we are going to see the beauty of encouragement and the impact that one person can have when she passes along God's encouragement to others. In 1999, a Gallup poll determined who the most admired individuals were in the 20th century. In second place, just behind Mother Teresa, was pastor and civil rights leader Martin Luther King Jr. His speech at the March on Washington in 1963 has one of the best-known lines of any speech. When he spoke of his dream, the moment was so powerful it propelled the U.S. government into decisive action on civil rights. So it's easy to admire him, picturing his life as one of constant success. But in reality, things were different for him. In his own time, King enjoyed very little public respect. A Harris poll taken shortly before his death revealed a 75% disapproval rating. Time magazine called him one of the most hated men in America. His own view was that he'd failed at some of his most important goals. Opposing the war in Vietnam earned him scorn. His hope of organizing a multiracial army to fight poverty never materialized. Popular figures like President Johnson and Billy Graham retracted their support so that disappointment was a constant feature for him, not what we might imagine. To see him write, we have to picture this. Not the iconic and courageous hero, but a tired, middle-aged man on the road stressed and weary, staying in a cheap motel instead of the comfortable one that would have welcomed him if he were white. Another day of travel and toil ahead of him to be followed by another, with the voices of those who opposed him and hated him ringing in his ears, unable to sleep or even pray. And moments of profound discouragement King would pick up the phone and call an old friend who had a unique ability to encourage him. Mahalia, he would say, I'm having a rough day. Sing for me. And his friend would sing to him over the phone. Sing, Jesus met the woman at the well. Mahalia would sing, and Martin would listen, and he would cry. And then, because he had been encouraged, he would keep going for another day. Behind every person who does something great is a great encourager. Mahalia Jackson lived a life that showed the gospel beautiful as an encourager, not only to her friend Martin Luther King Jr., but to millions of people all over the world. Whenever a person encourages someone who is down, that person's life shows the gospel, and it's beautiful. When you support a friend who is sinking, when you put hope into a heart that is becoming hopeless, when you strengthen and console someone who needs help, then your life embodies 
the good news, and that is beautiful, just as God made you to be beautiful. I want you to listen carefully to the way that Paul opens his second letter to the church at Corinth, addressed to Christians who were really discouraged because of all the things that were going wrong. This is encouragement for folks who are losing heart. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all consolation, who consoles us in all our affliction so that we may be able to console those who are in any affliction with the consolation with which we ourselves are consoled by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are abundant for us, so also our consolation is abundant through Christ. If we are being afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation. If we are being consoled, it is for your consolation, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we are also suffering. Our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our consolation. This is a word of hope for people who are struggling. A promise that when we face discouraging circumstances, Christ is right there to help us. God will be there in every single affliction we face to encourage us. That's what console means here. And then when we've been consoled, encouraged by God, he sends us to encourage others. Let's start with you. What is discouraging you? Let two or three things come to mind. If you're thinking other people have it worse than me, set them aside for a moment. We'll come back to them. Take a moment for you. What's discouraging you today? Whatever you are thinking of right now, it matters to God. Whatever you are facing, he knows all about it. Even though it's confusing to you, to him, it is clear. And he is close by you right now to help you. No matter how isolated you feel, it can't shut you out from his love. If the road's too rough and uneven, in time, he will make it level and straight. If you don't have the strength to go on fighting, he will fight for you. If the ground beneath your feet is sinking, he will set you upon a rock. If it seems like you are in the dark, wait. The light is coming. He is coming. And it is as certain as the dawn that he will be with you. Take heart. He is for you. He is with you. He is trustworthy, and you are his beloved. He will deliver you in his timing. Hang in there. Do not give 
up. I say this to you as someone who knows from his own experience what it's like to be rescued by God and delivered. Trust God. In his time, he will give you just what you need. That is who God is. It says so right here in the words that we just read. Look again with me at verse 3. Paul calls God the God of all consolation. The Greek here is notoriously hard to capture in English. It's the compound word paraklesis. The verb keleo, which means to call or summon, together with the prefix para, which means alongside. So this literally reads, God the cold alongside one. Paraklesis is the same root word that Jesus used for the Holy Spirit. When his disciples were discouraged to hear that he would be leaving them, he promised that I will send you the paraclete, the called alongside one, to counsel you and advocate for you and guide you and help you and to be right there with you to offer the assistance that you need, the encouragement that will enable you to keep going. Notice here that this is not only what God does, but who God is, the God of all consolation, the one who comes to us when we've lost heart with love that strengthens us for one more day, the one who stands beside us so he can fight for us and we only need to wait and watch, the one who protects us when our foes rise up against us, our rock and our redeemer who gives us hope to stand on, the one who lifts us when we are down, who cheers us when we are depressed, who calms us when we are anxious, who inspires us when we are flat. God, the Holy Spirit, is the God of all encouragement. Now, look again at the logic here because there's something for us. Paul speaks of God's consolation as one step in a two-step process. Look at verse 4. God is the one who consoles us in all our affliction so that we may be able to console those who are in any affliction with the consolation with which we ourselves are consoled by God. The reason God encourages us is so we can encourage others. Just as we have been encouraged. God means for us to encourage others, whatever their affliction. Now is the time to think of that other person who needs encouragement, the one who is in your heart and is in need of help right now. Try for a moment to put yourself in their position. What do you see? Do they need a word of hope? If God has ever given you a word of hope, pass it along to them. Do they need a listening ear? If God has ever listened to you in a way that helped you, pass it along to them. Do they need to be reminded of God's faithfulness or his mercy or his power to help? If you've ever been encouraged with a reminder of God's goodness when you needed it, it's time for you to share that encouragement with them. Take a mental note right now, and when we're done together today, reach out to that person. God helps us in our affliction so that we can help others in their affliction. When we do, we become beautiful in the way that the world needs beauty right now. Don't you know that?
the impact that God can affect through us when we are beautiful in the world as encouragers is beyond what we could even dream. Let's spend some time now with this tremendously gifted encourager. This is Mahalia Jackson. Born in 1911, she grew up in New Orleans in a three-room apartment with 12 other people and a dog. Her mother worked as a maid and did laundry, her father as a dock worker and a barber and a Baptist minister on Sundays. When she was just five years old, her mom died. So her aunt took her in, which meant leaving school behind and going to work every day, from sunup to sundown, cleaning houses and doing laundry, an early start to a career of servitude. The only time she wasn't working was when she was in church with her family. That's where she sang. And she could sing. She was really good. One day, an aunt told her, you're going to sing before royalty. And as it turns out, she was right. At 20, Mahalia moved to Chicago. On her first Sunday there, she sang after the Bible study, and they immediately invited her to join the choir. Nobody could sing like her. She was gifted in a way that you have to hear to understand. It wasn't long before she became a star, known as the Queen of the Gospel. And though she would be pressured throughout her career to sing secular songs, she would only ever sing gospel music because she was convinced it was what God had made her for. She would go on to perform at Carnegie Hall, tour all over Europe in the 50s, and would eventually be hailed as the world's greatest gospel singer. Everywhere she went, she sang about God's goodness and faithfulness. She sang about the love of Jesus and the generosity and justice of God. Before millions of people, her voice proclaimed the gospel as far and wide as any preachers would. But it wasn't only in these great concert halls that God would use her music. In the late 50s, she would end up at the center of the growing movement of folks who wanted to see black men and women treated the same as whites in our country. Folks who simply wanted equality in the world, the freedom and dignity to be regarded as fellow brothers and sisters, equal before God and given the same rights as whites in our country. In the summer of 1956, she met Ralph Abernathy and Martin Luther King Jr. at the National Baptist Convention. They heard her sing. That fall... In the early stages of the bus boycott in Montgomery, they asked her to come and sing at a rally. As soon as she got involved, it cost her. But she was undeterred because here is where her gifts could be put to use best. No matter what resistance she encountered, she was resolute, and here's why. God had been a constant source of encouragement for her, and so she would become a constant source of encouragement for the movement. 
And if we pause here, Mahalia Jackson can become a gift to us, helping us know how to encourage others in a way that is beautiful. Our world needs the beauty of encouragement, and her life can give us lessons, five specific lessons for how to encourage others. Lesson one, share God's encouragement. One of the most common misconceptions is that you can only encourage others when you're strong enough yourself. That is how it would work if encouragement meant sharing our own resources, but that's not how it works with God. He offers his strength so we can pass that along to others, even when our lives are really hard. Mahalia Jackson is a wonderful example here. She had a life that was unbelievably challenging, not just as a child, but as a black woman in a world that was slanted against her. She was a great encourager because she knew it meant sharing something God had given to her and not something she made herself. As she put it, she sang God's music because it made her feel free, and therefore she knew that God could use it to make other people feel free. And that's exactly what happened. Encouragement is something that you share from God to other people. That's the first lesson. Now the second, use God's gifts. Some people can sing because God has given them a beautiful voice. Very few can sing like Mahalia did, but she was a great encourager, not only because she had a great voice, but because she decided to use God's gift just as God would want her to. And the truth about every person is that all of us have some gift which God has given. You have been specially made by God with strengths that are useful for encouraging others. You should find and use your God-given gifts to encourage. Maybe you can write well. Maybe you can cook an amazing meal. Maybe you have a gift for hospitality and welcoming people into your home. Maybe you're a tremendously good listener. Maybe you can make people laugh and let go of their stress for a little while. Maybe you have a way of inspiring people with a vision for what could be. Whatever gift God has given, you are responsible for using it to encourage the people around you. That's the second lesson. And now lesson three. Take God's view. This is where Mahalia Jackson is especially inspiring to me. All her life, she lived with the grief of racism. It weighed her down with despair, and she saw what it did to the people that she was close to, especially the men in her family. It made no sense to her how people could be so cruel, especially Christians, many of whom in her experience were just as racist as others were. She spoke openly about the way these experiences tempted her with hatred. The disrespect and ignorance hurt every day. It was a fight for her not to become bitter, but she prayed that God would not let hate get into her heart that she would love 
as Jesus calls every one of us to. She asked God to help her take his view of the people around her, even her enemies. And that's just what she did. You can see her speak about this in a 1971 interview. It's easy to find. She is amazing as an example for all of us. We have to take God's view if we are going to have any hope of encouraging others. In our time when hate is all around us, in many of our public figures and our leaders, even in folks who present themselves as followers of Jesus, if any one of us is going to have a hand in bringing about change, as I'm sure God wants us to, it won't happen unless we are willing to take God's view and turn over our anger and our hatred and let Jesus replace it with forgiveness and love, just like Mahalia did. The fourth lesson, also vividly clear in her life, is to have God's goal to really have an impact. You've got to direct your encouragement toward a specific end. And it has to be a goal that God would have. For Mahalia, that goal was to see her music break down some of the hate and fear that was dividing the white and black people in our country. That is a goal that fits beautifully with God's value. And of course, there is still work to do. Racism is still a problem for us, and we need people like Jackson who are still praying for love and working to bring people together through their unique gifts for encouragement. Each of us should ask, what is God's goal for my encouragement? And then we should think about the places where God has put us with our children, or our coworkers, or the extended family that God has put us in, the people that we're close to at church, the people that God has put in our paths and given us the opportunity to encourage. This fourth lesson, to have God's goal in our encouragement is especially needful for us today. And now the fifth, and this also is absolutely critical for every one of us, because we are going to be tempted with hopelessness. We should trust God's plan. Believe that God will use the encouragement that you give to change the world for the better. Think for a moment of someone in your life who has encouraged you to become more than you would have been. Take a moment right now to thank God for that person. Thank him because their encouragement of you was a part of his plan. Now, Mahalia Jackson's story teaches us that God wants to use every one of us to be that kind of person for someone else. That's a part of God's plan. You should trust that. And then you should keep your eyes open for the opportunity to be God's instrument of encouragement for someone else. Mahalia Jackson 
never could have planned for the role of encourager that she would end up playing in the life of Martin Luther King Jr., but God knew about it all along. One of the most remarkable things about the speech that King gave at the March on Washington in 1963 is that its most famous words, I have a dream, were not in his script. Those words were improvised that day. He hadn't planned on speaking about his dream before that crowd. But just as he neared the end of his script, he came to a sentence that didn't feel right. And so he skipped a few lines. And then from his heart, he urged the crowd to trust that change could come telling folks to go back to Mississippi and Alabama and South Carolina and Georgia and Louisiana and the slums and the ghettos, believing that somehow this situation could be changed. And then he paused when from off to the side, a voice called out, tell them about the dream, Martin. Look at this photo. If you look close, you can see Mahalia Jackson. She was there. God meant for her to be there. You can see her staring intently. She's looking right at Martin Luther King Jr. Tell them about the dream, Martin. Imagine if she hadn't been there to encourage him on that day. Thank God she was. Only God knows how he will use the encouragement that we pass along to others. God encourages us in every affliction so that we will encourage others in the same way that God has encouraged us. Today, be encouraged and today, be an encourager. The world needs it more than we could ever dream. And now let's open our hearts to the God of all encouragement, asking him to build us up so we can encourage others. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the great and wonderful gift of people in our lives who have been encouragers to us. We thank you now, especially for the life of Mahalia Jackson, a woman who was an encourager to millions and especially an encourager to one who fought and worked for your justice to come in this world. God, every one of us needs encouragement this morning right where we are. God, would you send your spirit to be an encourager to us, to come alongside us with your consolation and your guidance and your strength and your help for right where we are. 
And then, like Mahalia, would you teach us to be people who use the gifts that you've given us to share your encouragement with others right where you've put us, with your vision for the world that we find ourselves in, and with a plan for our encouragement that fits with your values. And then, would you help us trust that your plan is good? And then use us to change this world, which is in such desperate need of change. We pray in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Father of our Lord and Savior, in the name of the God of all consolation, we pray. Amen.